The Mariners are not just in the playoffs, but they just won a playoff game. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Locked On Mariners postgame show. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I got to tell you, that intro has never hit harder than it just did. It is Friday, October 7th, 2022. It is a victory Friday, folks. This is Tidy Gonzalez and Colby Patnode for the Locked On Mariners podcast, or post-game show, rather. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube, or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. The link, as well as our social accounts, is in the description below. Colby. I'm not even going to list what we're going to talk about today because y'all know what we're talking about today. This is why you trade for Luis Castillo. And now I don't have the numbers right in front of me. I literally just got back from Toronto, like not even five minutes ago, I walked into the door. So I don't have the numbers in front of me. I don't have any of that in front of me. And that's where you're going to fill in the blanks, Colby, on this show. Uh But... (laughs) <laughs> well hopefully hopefully i mean i have some questions that i want to ask you about the broadcast okay. and about the umpiring sure, sure. and stuff like that because you know stuff that i couldn't really understand from the 500 level but my god i just watched the seattle mariners play in a playoff game and win that playoff game and shut out one of the most daunting offenses in all of major league baseball and i still haven't properly processed it but this again is why you trade for Luis Castillo Luis Castillo shoved today there was a there was one part I think it was in the first or second inning or so and I gotta sh- uh, give a shout out to Jage at uh, the Jage page on Twitter you gotta follow him we went to the game together it was an incredible time and I'll get more into our experience at the ballpark later but there was a point in again in the first or second inning where we saw Luis Castillo hit 99.9 miles per hour on the gun and at that point we're like it's over <laughs> Mariners are winning this game dude's just out of his mind right now did it look like that on TV Colby oh yeah absolutely um you know it's it's they round up on TV so there's quite a few hundred mile per hour fastballs that were popping and it was the run too. It was, it wasn't just, you know, a hundred down the pipe. It was, you know, a hundred with arm side run. It was a hundred, uh, with some rise to it. It was 98 with some devastating sink to it. And it just, the blue Jays didn't have a, a chance and the blue Jays are a very good fastball hitting team. And Luis Castillo basically, you know, flipped off the stats and said, I don't care. You can't hit my fastball. And they couldn't, I mean, just utter domination. Ty, do you realize that he retired the leadoff man in seven of the eight innings that he started? And the one time he didn't, didn't. the one time he didn't, two pitches later, he got a double play ball. Ah, yes. He did not allow any traffic. He didn't allow any momentum to build. Uh, He never gave the Blue Jays a chance to respond because every single time he went out there, he was one pitch away from ending the inning because the leadoff guy never got on. They didn't put a guy in on third base until there was two outs in the ninth. And the only reason that happened is because of a pass ball by Cal Raleigh. So it was just total domination. Um, you know, it, it, the only thing the Blue Jays did well 
is they got him out of there after the seventh or after the first out in the eighth. That's it. Mm-hmm. They got his pitch count up just enough. And honestly, if he hadn't plunked Springer, I he was going to go. He was going to go to the yeah. eighth, and, and that would have been that. So um, it was just utter domination. I mean, it, it, the sinker, the two-seamer, the four-seamer, uh, it was all great. Everything worked off of that. And he didn't even throw that many change-ups or, or sliders uh, because why, why would he, like, they couldn't touch his fastball. It was mm-hmm. seven and a third, six in, uh, six hits, five strikeouts, just so much. We con- I believe they had four hard hit balls off of Castillo all day. Um, it was just total domination. It's the best start by a Seattle Mariners pitcher in their postseason history, which granted isn't large, but <laughs> we're talking about a franchise that did have Randy Johnson in his prime, uh, making starts in the playoff and, and Castillo's was by far the best in franchise history. And, you know, of course, keep in mind that the the Mariners are now undefeated in the postseason over the last 21 years. Like, let's just, you know, let's They've make also that have, They also have a 21-year uh, shutout drought or shutout streak exactly. in the postseason. Of course, so. yes. Um, I, I, I just, I still haven't processed what I just watched as a whole. I'm, I'm still, like, just kind of mind-blowing because... You know, you guys know how how I was feeling going into the series that, you know, whatever happens, happens like I I had made peace with that. And part of that was expecting that, you know, this Blue Jays team with the offensive firepower that it has was going to put up runs. The fact that this team, the fact that Luis Castillo and Andres Munoz were able to combine to shut out this offense, it's remarkable. It's something that I did not expect to see at all in this series. Even if the Mariners were going to be able to keep things close and keep things to low scores, as they have done throughout this entire year, I didn't think it was possible to keep this team to a goose egg on the scoreboard. It's ridiculous. It's 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 an absolute remarkable feat for this team to 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 accomplish here. And I mean, again, I'm going to say it time and time again this is exactly why you trade for Luis Castillo I was saying time and time again to to Jage as we were watching the game together at that ballpark and saying I don't care at all about Noel V. Marte I don't care at all about Edwin Arroyo I don't care about any of that Luis Castillo is a Seattle Mariner and he's ours for the next five plus years and this is exactly why you have him (laughs) is to go toe-to-toe with Alec Manoa and all these guys that he's he's going to end up facing in this postseason because I really do think, especially after watching tonight, this team is going to advance and they are going to make a run here in the postseason because they just they look the part. They look so primed to to make a run here right. after finally, you know, because I, I was I didn't know what kind of team we were going to see tonight. I didn't know if this team was going to look like the moment was just too big for them or if, you know, it was just kind of just you know business as usual and it was business as usual and then some for this team it looked like they had been here many a times before and it's just it's so impressive it's so impressive the job that scott service has done it's so impressive the job that these players have done to get mentally prepared for this moment you know andres munoz holding a four-run lead he's a young pitcher who has never pitched in a spot like this in a hostile crowd, and we'll talk about the crowd in, in, in a little bit because I do want to acknowledge that. But, you know, in a hostile environment, and it doesn't matter. 
it doesn't matter. That's so like, I know it seems so kind of blase or whatever, you know, talking about this, but this like being able to not let the moment get too big is it's a huge deal for this team, for such a young team. And we'll see if that continues. But tonight it was just it, I I was I was taken back by it, by how just well put together this team was and how ready for this moment they were. It makes me so much more confident in terms of what they can do with the rest of the way here because this is a dangerous team. This is a really dangerous team, and this is probably, you know, if, if it's not going to be the most hostile environment they, they find themselves in in October, it's certainly one of the most. And it, it right. there's very few environments that really rival this. And it's so, I, I mean... Uh, again, you know, and I, I know I'm kind of like all over the place right now, but like it's it's so impressive. It really is just so incredibly impressive what this team was able to do tonight and the momentum that it builds for them. And the fact that, you know, look, even if they still get eliminated, at least they get at least they get Sunday, at least they get one more game. At least they give themselves a buffer that if tomorrow right. doesn't go as well for them, that at least they get one more crack at it. They and, they still have the advantage, right? Because yeah. they can make decisions knowing that they have Sunday. Toronto has to make decisions knowing that this is it. So they have to be more aggressive with their bullpen, and they had to use their bullpen a lot. Now, nobody threw a ton of pitches out of their bullpen, but they did use a lot of arms today. The Mariners Trevor used Trevor Richards, Jack, mm-hmm. Zach Pop, uh, Tim Miza, Simba, uh, yeah, yeah, Adam Simber. Like, they used, I believe, five relievers tonight. That's a huge deal. That is a massive deal in this series when, again, right. it's it's best of three you're gonna need your bullpen at its best the Mariners meanwhile only had to use Andres Munoz they had Paul Seawald warming up at one point but didn't use him they end up using Munoz who gets the four out save and I mean that just five out save apologies and that sets them up so perfectly for the next two days yes because what we need to remember is that Marco did a great job on uh, Wednesday of going seven innings and the team only had to use Swanson and Seawald that day. So even Swanson and Seawald, who were the last relievers used, not counting Munoz, they haven't pitched since Wednesday and everybody else in that bullpen hasn't pitched since Tuesday. So everybody but Munoz is incredibly well rested and Munoz only threw 22 pitches to get the five outs. Mm-hmm. I guess they, I'm guessing they would like to stay away from him tomorrow just because they've been very cautious with him, but this is the playoffs. If it's three to two and Vladdy Jr.'s up with, you know, the, the you're up by one and the tie runs at second, they're going to use Andres Munoz in that situation. There's nobody in the Mariners bullpen who's unavailable tomorrow, um, which is good because maybe you need to be, have a quick hook with Robbie Ray. Maybe you don't. We'll see. We should know pretty early on what Robbie Ray you're going to get, uh, but you have that ability. Whereas if, you know, Gossman goes out there and he throws 30 pitches and gives up, you know, a run and strands the bases loaded in the first inning. Toronto has to think about taking him out and using a bullpen that's tired because they cannot afford to wait uh, for him to figure it out. Seattle, while you don't want to go into the game saying, like, we have one in our back pocket, like, you want to end the series in two. You absolutely do. But if it doesn't look like it's going to go that way, you can absolutely kick this game. And you can, you know, if you're down four to two or whatever and Gossman shoving and I guess we'll just use Matt Boyd for two innings 
and you know we'll, yeah. we'll save Munoz and see what like you're in such a this winning this game sets you up so beautifully and uh, I think there, it, what's interesting about this game is that it was kind of the perfect Mariners game right they got the big home run right <laughs> they they added on uh, Gino contributed My, Mitch Haniger contributed Ty France contributed and those three guys we talked about like if there is zero you can't win they all contributed something today and I think. You know, obviously the Castillo and Munoz uh, steal the headlines, rightfully so. But Seattle played excellent defense. It wasn't a huge strikeout day. I believe Toronto only struck out seven times. Seattle just played excellent defense. And actually, I think there are three plays that maybe we're not talking about enough, but maybe that's a good segue into the next segment. All right, perfect. Thank you so much because I I am definitely not in a state that is uh, well equipped to uh, segue. So we'll get to that in just a moment. But real quick, a reminder: this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there it is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events including mlb mma boxing and golf head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more bet online is where the game starts and uh, you are listening to the locked on mariners post game show after the mariners four nothing win over the toronto blue jays in game one of the american league wild card series I just realized that my voice is very raspy right now. I have uh, kind of <laughs> lost my voice. And uh, yeah, l- before I get into my whole ballpark experience, because there there are some stories, there are some takes that I have uh, to go off of that. Uh, let's, let's get to uh, th- your three plays that you think stood out the most here for the Mariners uh, in helping them win this game. Yeah, I, they stand out to me because they're not, box score like stats, right? They're not something that you just see on the box score, uh, but they all played crucial roles. And I, I think, you know, the Mariners, it looked like they played very boring defense today. They didn't have to make any incredible plays. They, I mean, it was just that good. Everything was softly hit. There was not, nothing like incredible that happened, but I think three plays, two of them happened in the same inning. Uh, there is, I believe it's two outs in the third. It might've been. Uh, and, uh, George Springer hits a ball into right field. Uh, Mitch Haniger sprints over, cuts it off, makes a good strong throw back into back into second base, holds Springer to a single. Next up, Bo Bichette, ground ball, hard hit ground ball in the hole. JP dives, able to keep it in front of him, knowing he has no shot to get Bichette. He once he knew once he left his feet, he knew that Bichette had an infield single, but that's cr- critical because it keeps Springer at second. So now the Mariners' defense has prevented a double. And it has prevented Springer going from first to third. Without those plays, it's entirely possible you have Vlad Jr. up with runners on the corner, two outs, and it's still 3 nothing at that point. Anything can happen. The momentum builds. Uh, but those two plays, again, just saving 90 feet where you can. They aren't going to end up in the highlight reel. Nobody's going to talk about them. But you save those 90 feet, and those really start to add up. And then the other one is actually in the second inning. Uh, the double play that the Mariners turn. Uh, that is not an easy ball for Gino. He got kind of an in-between hop. Uh, it, it was a tricky little uh, throw as well. He makes it. The Mariners turn two. And the leadoff man did not reach for the remainder of this game for the Blue Jays. Those three plays, they don't show up. You know, they're not going to end up on highlight reels. But again, you save 90 feet, 
with Hanniger's arm. You save 90 feet with JP's defense. You turn two on a ball that honestly eats up a lot of third baseman. And all of a sudden, then you're talking about runners on first and second with nobody out in the second inning. And it's still just three nothing. So those three plays, they all save. They don't they don't save runs, right? I mean, we can't say they definitely saved runs, but they save bases. They they take away opportunity. They save 90s. And those add up over the course of a game where when you're talking about Castillo, it's going to be very difficult to to bunch three hits against Castillo together. So saving that and making the making the Blue Jays earn every single base, it's going to be incredibly tough for any team to beat you. And those three plays stand out as plays that maybe other teams don't make those plays. Uh, and it changes the the way that uh, somebody like Castillo has to pitch with a guy on third as opposed to a guy on second. So yeah. I think those three plays add up to uh, to value. Uh, I just I don't think that anybody's really going to remember those. Like we're going to talk about the Cal Raleigh home run and how great Castillo was, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. Those absolutely should be the talking points. But those are the little little things that the World Series title teams do. That's what the Braves do when they win the World Series. They pitch and they play that little tiny bit of of you know defense that kind of goes unnoticed because it's not sexy but all those things add up and that's what good teams do and that's how good teams like the mariners can be great teams like the houston astros and possibly the toronto blue jays Mm -hmm. so you know we've we've talked about you know in the build-up series about how things can snowball at the rogers center we all know about the jose bautista home run and and everything that led up to that moment and we know about the you know the Zach Britton game as as it's known, where Baltimore didn't use Zach Britton, used Ubaldo Jimenez instead, and and how that kind of built up as well. Um, but really, you know, I'm I'm gonna say this, and I know that we're we're gonna have some Blue Jays fans that tune in here because we did yesterday for our preview. The energy <laughs> just wasn't there today in the Rogers Center. It did not feel I there was not a single moment in which I felt like I was at an actual playoff game today. Just going off of the energy in that building, the the atmosphere, it was not at all what I expected. And I don't think that this is going to continue over the weekend. But it is weird to me that, you know, it's a 4 o'clock start, you know, in, in Toronto. That's an hour before, you know, the end of the workday and all that stuff. But again, it's also a Friday, that's the end of the work week. You're telling me that you couldn't get an hour or two, you know, earlier off to, to go to the game, whatever. There were a lot of empty seats, uh, especially in the 500 level. And there were even empty seats in the 100 level all around the ballpark, whether it was the outfield, especially the first baseline, there was a whole section of seats that was just empty. It was stunning considering what we know about, playoff baseball in Toronto and just the atmosphere in general and the reputation that it has built for itself. It was just not at all what I expected. You know, you had DM me during the game saying like, it sounds quiet. And, you know, I had tweeted on my way to the game. I only saw a couple of blue Jays fans on the train. And I come from a, a town about 40 minutes outside of Toronto called Oakville and so getting on the train, I saw more Yankees hats than I saw Blue Jays hats. And I'm not even exaggerating about that. It was more Yankees hats than, than Blue Jays hats. And that's not typical 
about three I, I got on the train about three and a half hours before first pitch and I've gone to a lot of Blue Jays games I've seen more Blue Jays fans on the train around that time about that amount of time before first pitch on a random Wednesday in the middle of July or August than I did today and yeah there were a lot of people at the stadium once I got there it was packed but it wasn't it wasn't what you would think a playoff series would be. It wasn't like there wasn't that excitement. There wasn't that buzz. There wasn't it just didn't really feel like I was at a playoff game. It didn't really feel like this fan base which hasn't seen playoff baseball in its own in its home stadium for the last 6 or so years. It just didn't really it didn't really feel like they wanted it. Like as as like as cheesy as that sounds, right, and as simple as that sounds, it just it really didn't feel like this fan base wanted it. And, you know, they got excited when they got their little bloop single or whatever, but it was also <laughs> like you're down 3 nothing. You know, you're getting hype over a little bloop single with two outs, you know, and you're down 3 nothing. Like, come on. Like, it was just, I don't know. And then the Blue Jays made the mistake of having – Mariners legend Edwin Ar- Edwin Encarnacion throughout the first pitch of this game. I don't know, Colby, but I don't know if I would let a guy who played for the opposition at one point in his career throughout the first pitch in that game. No matter how much no matter how much of an organizational legend he is, the fact that he played a few months for the team that you're going up against, I don't know if I would do that personally speaking so the whole vibe was off at the stadium the whole vibe was off i like i thought that i was going to be a nervous wreck at the stadium today i didn't feel anxious at all going on the train going to the stadium i just felt like i was at a normal baseball game in the middle of may like i didn't feel like i was at a playoff game well uh we'll see how it looks tomorrow i imagine your backs against the wall uh it'll be a little more uh fervent and according to espn you know there was forty-seven thousand people there uh in a stadium that apparently is around fifty thousand. so uh 53 yeah yeah so it's not there were people there. like you said it was crowded but it wasn't it just lacked energy uh, and i do wonder how much of that is obviously you know there's going to be a few empty seats people buy tickets and don't show up yada yada whatever um but aside from that like I wonder how much of that is just Manoa struggled so much in the first and then Castillo so dominant early on that you just kind of, you know, I, I think Mariner fans, we've, we we're kind of experts at this. You just look at it and you go, there's no way. <laughs> like, yeah. like we just can't touch this guy. And so, you know, maybe we can get lucky and scratch out one or two, but we're not getting three or four, not against this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do like to think though, that there was some blue Jays fans and I'm sure there were, quite a few of them who didn't know they don't know anything about the Mariners. I mean, why they don't watch the Mariners, right? It's not their team, but I do wonder if there was maybe a lot of blue Jay fans who like Castillo came out of the game and they were like, Oh, here's our chance. We finally got that guy out of the game and Mariner fans are sitting there like, mm, no, that's yeah, not going to go no. the way you think it's going to go. Yeah. Um, in fact, I, <laughs> I was browsing uh, some. Did you know? Uh, did you know Reddit. that Andres? Did you know that Andres Munoz threw a ninety-four mile per hour slider in this game? Are you yeah. Serious? 
yeah, uh, I was I was browsing some uh, Blue Jays Reddit and I saw somebody uh, a Blue Jays fan mention like he was like, hold on, he's got a hundred and three mile an hour fastball and a ninety three mile per hour slider. That's not fair. And it's like, yeah, I mean, welcome to the American League, buddy. I don't know what to tell you. Um, so yeah, I, I do like to think that you know there's there was a Blue Jays fan who like had hope, like, all right, we got a guy on base. We finally got Castillo out of there. Get to this Mariners bullpen. We're gonna cut the lead and we're gonna win in the ninth. And then they watch Munoz come up and throw his first fastball to Vlad Jr. at 103 with arm side run and was just like, What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, how do you hit that? And there's a there's a funny video going around of Vlad's reaction to the fastball, and he just sitting there going, and he he mouthed the word. I'm not allowed. We're sure. We're, I'm not sure we're allowed to say. So you guys can find the video. <laughs> that, but, uh, he was uh, he was impressed. So yeah, I just yeah. wonder how much of that energy is just because the Mariners just took it from them and and they never really mm-hmm. gave them an opportunity. Like I said, they, I think they had three guys in scoring position all game, and all three of them were with two outs. Yeah, and so I want I want to reiterate that I I think that's going to change the energy yeah. in the building over the weekend. Uh, and yep. we'll see if we get to Sunday, but I think tomorrow is going to be a lot busier, a lot more hectic, a lot more crazy in there. And I think that's going to be a lot more in line with what we know Toronto, the Toronto fan base to be. Yeah, it was just oh, yeah. weird, though. It was just weird, though, today, like, you know, considering because, again, you know, it's four o'clock first pitch, but it's the end of the work week. You know, I get that it's in the middle of a Friday, but still, it's the end of the work week. I just I, I feel think- like that was a that was a situation in which like brokers had bought a bunch of tickets and it was just too expensive for people to buy. Like yeah. it was just like especially that section in the 100 level that yeah. I uh, that I was describing where it was like it was literally like three rows of like I I got to say at least like 30 seats that were just empty all in a bunch. Yeah. I I wonder, you know, if because it was the it was weird. It was the Mariners who played loose and and like it was the Mariners who looked like they were having a lot of fun. And it was it and again, part of that is when you have a dominant pitcher. Like I said, I don't want to overstate this because Castillo was that good. Like it just he was so good that you can literally suck the life out of the entire stadium, which he did. So I don't want to oversell this and say, you know, the Blue Jays are are playing with so much pressure today, or it felt like they were the team that had the twenty one year playoff drought and they're the team that doesn't have any playoff experience and all that stuff, but it, it felt like that. And I, I want to say that was mostly Castillo, that he was just that good. Um, and Manoa struggled. Manoa was their guy. So I, I expect Toronto to show up tomorrow. It's not an easy matchup for Robbie Ray. Uh, you know, but I, I do think that maybe I saw a lot of Mariner fans who were like, oh, we should start Logan Gilbert tomorrow because Ray's been terrible and Gossman's been so good. I want to pump the brakes on that. Gossman has not been very good. Uh since really June, since the last time the Mariners saw him, Kevin Gossman has kind of regressed. I guess is is I, I well, pulled yeah, the stats he, here. Was, he was. He, I think he was starting young and, obvi- favorite. and obvi- and obviously ERA isn't the be all end all. But like I believe the last time that we saw Kevin Gossman, he was running an ERA sub two, and now he's like at three three five. So something has happened, right? Yeah, it, it's. So over his last 19 starts, which I think dates back to June 12th, I think, um, he opponents are hitting over his last 19 starts. Again, not a small sample size. Uh, his, his opponents are hitting 277, 307, 433. And he's posted just a 381 ERA. Now, 
His FIP is much lower than that. His FIP is sub three, uh, mostly because he's not walking guys. If, if opponents are hitting 277, but they're on base is only 307, you're not walking anybody. And the numbers bear that out. Gossman is still going to strike guys out and he's still going to throw a ton of strikes, but he's been in the zone more. He's, I mean, a 277 average in 2022 is not good. And I think when you look at what Ray has done in roughly the same time period, Ray's been better than Gossman. And it, it gets yeah. skewed because, you know, Ray had that really terrible start uh, last time out. And, and I get it. Like, Ray hasn't been great down the stretch either. Uh, but I just feel like there's a lot of Mariner fans who believe that, you know, tomorrow's game is, is like a clear advantage to the Blue Jays. And I don't agree. I think this is a pretty even yeah. pitching matchup. Um, and I thought today was going to be a pretty even pitching matchup, but at the end of the day, Manoa didn't have it early and the Mariners took advantage and I guess he had too much pressure in his, I guess he had too much Uh, pressure uh, in his tires. Yes. He is. It's the tire joke. (laughs) That guy's dumb. That guy's dumb. Um, (laughs) but yeah, so I don't think tomorrow is a, like a, an unwinnable game because of the pitching matchup. Uh, and if you get to a game three, you know, again, you hope you don't, but if you do, Gilbert versus Stripling. I feel like yeah. that's, you know, a pretty with, good toss with up. With Kirby as a backup too. Like, right. yeah. And, you know, a bullpen that is, is still remarkably fresh right now. So the Mariners have a huge advantage coming into this weekend. It will not be easy. There is no such thing as easy in the playoffs. Toronto is a very good team with a very good offense. Um, and it only takes one game. You know, Ray goes out there and implodes and you got to kind of run through the bullpen gambit. Mm-hmm. Uh, then all of a sudden it, we're back to all square on Sunday and, Anything can happen in an elimination game. You want to avoid those at all costs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the Blue Jays have to play two of those in a row. Uh, so, again, everything favors Seattle, at least just, you know, uh, just logistically. Everything everything favors Seattle right now. Uh, but they still have to go out. They have to execute. This series is not over by any stretch. I don't think you'll find a single Mariner fan who is sitting here saying, oh, yep, we got this done. Like, let's start setting up the lineup or the rotation for Houston now. Like, nobody's saying that. But the Mariners are in a good position. And if the Blue Jays had won this game, we'd be saying the same thing on the opposite side where, like, the Mariners can win the series still, but it's going to be very tough. And so that's why in these three-game series, winning game one is so crucial uh, to this team, and and, uh, particularly from the Mariners who are great at playing from ahead. And, I mean, you know, think about the storylines going into this game. The guy that the Mariners wanted in this, this winter, Kevin Gossman, against the guy that they ended up getting, Robbie Ray, who used to pitch for the Blue Jays. Kevin Gossman was the replacement for Robbie Ray in Toronto, going to, going up against one another in an, elimin- an elimination game. What else could you want? What else could you possibly want from a storyline perspective? This is mm-hmm. peak content. <laughs> this is peak content as far as it's- baseball, as far as playoff baseball goes. I really feel like this is the best series we're going to get this weekend. Um, yeah. Because these two teams are so incredibly well matched up and they both have, you know, great pitching, starting pitching at least. And they have, you know, young stars and it's just, it's a fun series. Um, I hope it only goes two games. I hope we're on here tomorrow, roughly the same time. And we're just like, Hey man, we're on to Houston and, and, you know, we're now we're going to get to see Gilbert go game one against, against Verlander and, you know, we're definitely going to get playoff baseball back to Seattle. It's, we're going to get at least one game and all that fun stuff. Maybe I have tickets to that. I don't know. But, like, it, it's, you know, I hope that's what we're saying. But, again, I'm still at the point where nothing would surprise me. The Mariners could win 7 nothing tomorrow. They could lose 12 to nothing. They could lose 2-1. to one. 
Uh, and then they can go on Sunday and again, and in, a, in an, an elimination game, literally anything can happen. You want to avoid those at all costs because they are so crazy and hectic that it doesn't matter how big of an advantage you think you have. You don't. It's an elimination game. It's one baseball game to determine the season. That's not the way baseball is meant to be played, but it is. Yeah. It does. It does create some incredible content. That's for sure. It's it's going to be a, a wonderful game tomorrow. Um, just again from the storylines and everything, and and hopefully you know at the end of it, the Mariners come out of it with their first playoff win, mm-hmm. playoff series win in in twenty one right. years. Uh, I, you know, I, I just got to say re- real quick though, that I'm, I'm so grateful that I get this opportunity to see this in person. I, I leave in the ballpark today and you know, <laughs> like I, I, I hid my hat in my bag cause things were getting a little hostile there in the first inning. I popped off when, when Gino Coward. hit his RBI, when he hit his RBI, I got told to shut the F up and sit the F down. Uh, and so from that point forward, I was like, okay. Yep, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna be quiet about this. I'm gonna, I'm just, you know, I don't want to end up on baseball fights on Twitter. I don't, I don't, <laughs> you know. Ask them when, like, ask like them what, ask him what pick the Leafs are gonna have in April. Exactly. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> but you like, you know, top five I, next year. I, I'm All like, I'm down, I'm down to throw hands, but I would prefer not to, personally speaking, uh, especially over baseball, especially baseball. But yeah. All right. So I, I want to ask you before we hop off of here, because like I'm up in the 500 level. I don't really, I'm not really seeing everything, but I did look on Twitter and saw that Lance Barrett was being Lance Barrett behind the plate. <laughs> so. Terrible. So, so get me up to speed here. I want to know, I want to know everything. What, what was going on with Lance Barrett? He was so bad. He was giving Manoa regularly about three inches off the outside corner, like not even joking. And the worst part is, is that like he was rewarding Kirk for like terrible frame jobs. Like Mm. Kirk's glove would just like, like crank all the way instead of like the subtle, like, I just kind of move it in. Like, no, he's like, whoosh, like a little eager. And he's like, oh yeah, that's a strike. And you're sitting there like, what are you doing, man? Like you're not even rewarding a good frame job or anything like that. Um, and of course, then the broadcast had to be like, oh, that's that's Kirk. He's such a good framer. It's like, that's not what that is. That's an umpire who's terrible. And Kirk is a good framer. I'm not I'm not taking that away from him. But uh, by the way, broadcast, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yes. I was going to ask you about that as well, because uh, it was Dave Fleming, Tim Kirkshin, mm-hmm. uh, Jessica Mendoza, and I think one other person, right? Yeah, they didn't go to him much, the the sideline guy or whatever. Okay. They did interviews with the managers in like the third and the fourth, but I think that was about it. Like, and then they they cut to him a few times to talk about the watch party in Seattle. Um, apparently, there was three four thousand people there at T-Mobile um, watching the game on the ninety foot screen. So, uh, but no, I thought I thought the broadcast crew was really good. Uh, uh, Jessica Mendoza talking about hitting is is really is really cool. She's she knows her stuff. Kirkshin, of course, just coming in with like the the weird stats and like the funny um you know the funny stories and all that stuff and then i thought fleming you know kind of uh navigated the whole thing very well so i actually thought the broadcast crew was very good uh lance barrett was terrible Castillo got squeezed a few times at the bottom of the zone manoa got everything and the fact that he was control was still that bad like it, it was not a good night for alec manoa i'll say that um but yeah overall i thought you know the broadcast crew was really good barrett was really bad um and it was uh it was a good production overall i would say so like 
it, they get the same crew tomorrow. So, uh, you know, we, we'll see how it goes. But I thought it was very good. Um, also, mm. I, I learned something new from Kirkshin. I don't know if mm. you know this, Ty, but Cal Raleigh is the first player in Major League history to hit a pinch hit walk-off home run to clinch a playoff spot for his team. Wow. Nobody's ever done that before. Wow. According to Kirkshin, I was really nobody. No, actually, not to clinch I, I, the I, I think I think ESPN tweeted that out when when it happened. Yeah. And I think maybe I saw that. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Like in the long that's, history of baseball, nobody ever hit a walk-off dinger as a pinch dude, hitter to send his team to the playoffs. Real quick, that for for big dumper. Uh, a, a two-run home run in the Mariners' first playoff game after clinching the playoffs, after ending the drought for the Mariners. Cal Raleigh is a star for this team. He is awesome. All I'm he such does a is huge hit fan. <laughs> All he does is hit dingers. He also struck out at least yeah. once tonight, and that was not great. There was, was a... Well, no, there it, there was some controversy on one of the strikeouts because he had walked on okay. the pitch before. It was like four uh, inches outside. And then of course he chased the changeup uh, after, okay. but yeah, no, uh, you know it's it's the big dumper thing's really taken off. Apparently Scott left the podium because they do pressers in the in the press room now instead of you know in the in the clubhouse. And uh, as he was walking out, he saw Cal Raleigh coming in to do his presser, and uh, apparently he yelled "big dumper in the house" as he walked out <laughs> of the room. So Scott's feeling good about his team right now. Um, I'm feeling great. About the yeah, team as well. <laughs> they're having fun, man. They're having a lot of fun. Um, so, and that that's good. It, like, at no point, Scott has done a great job. Um, at no point had, did the spotlight look too big for anybody on this team. They just kind of showed up and did what they did, you know, yeah. and, and it worked out great. So, again, I hope it continues. Uh, we'll see. Tomorrow's game, to me, is a real toss-up. Uh, you know, Toronto's got to fight with everything they have because when you're facing elimination. Colby, Colby. We're kicking yeah. their ass tomorrow. We're kicking their Ooh, ass. Okay. We're kicking their hopefully ass. We don't, okay, hopefully we don't have to bleep those. Um, <laughs> I didn't read the updated list. Uh, so, yeah, I like I said, I, I, I like our chances to win the series still. Tomorrow we'll see. Love to avoid playing on Sunday. And I, I, I think Gossman's more hittable than, than people realize. So uh, worth noting real fast before we go, Scott did basically say that the lineup would look I don't know. He didn't say a lot different, but he did say there will be changes to tomorrow's lineup okay. because some of the moves they made today were just strictly because Manoa was on the mound, like moving Cal Raleigh to the cleanup spot, I think is what he was mostly talking about. So mm. I, I suspect we'll see Handiger back in the top four. Uh, please no. <laughs> but he did not I, have I, a very good game tonight. He got the double. He got the double, you know. Oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. He, that's did. Right. he got he the did. double. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I like that, him yeah. hitting five. I think he makes sense five behind Cal yeah, with the way same. Cal's swinging it right now. So. We'll see what the lineup looks like tomorrow. Also, just, also, I'm sorry about playoff Jared. It didn't happen tonight, but maybe I'll get redeemed tomorrow. <laughs> it's not looking great, buddy. It's not looking yeah, great. Did, uh, did, did, yeah, yeah, it wasn't great tonight. No, no, it wasn't. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll see Demo in the lineup tomorrow. I think it's maybe. possible. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see yeah, it's not going to be a strict platoon with those guys. They're going to go based off a of matchup. Um, I don't I don't have Demo's numbers in front of me. If Demo can hit a, a changeup slash splitter pretty well then he's probably going to be in the lineup because that's Gossman's whole shtick. So we'll see. Uh, I, there were some people wondering why Demo didn't hit against the lefty, uh, Miyazo. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Meza when he came in. Yeah. yeah. That was, if it was a one-run one, one run game or if it, it, they probably would have, but 
you know, you want to save that guy for late because you don't have Haggerty to run. You might need him to yeah, run you're, later. You're you're up for zip. Kalnick's a better defender in the in the outfield. Yeah. You know, I I, I was maybe totally fine could, with them doing that. Yeah, maybe you could hit him for Frazier, but again, is it that big of a defensive upgrade? Not really. And don't you want somebody to run late, like if if they tie it up or whatever, and France gets a, a double? Don't you want Demo to be available to run because? You really don't have any other options to run on your bench because, unfortunately, due to the Haggerty injury. So we'll see what mm-hmm. happens with all that. But uh, I thought Scott managed very well, and he, you know, he took Castillo out, out at the appropriate time. He stuck with Munoz mm-hmm. for five. Um, you know, he let his guys play, uh, and they got a lead, and he didn't have to make any other uh, small ball decisions. So I thought I thought Scott played uh, played this one very well as well. This was probably the easiest episode of Lockdown Mariners we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> this was awesome. I am so excited. I'm ready to go win a playoff series tomorrow. I need to go uh, go to sleep, though. So I yeah. hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, we're going to get this up for you, and uh, I'm going to hit the hay and uh, get back <laughs> at it tomorrow. But uh, I'm so glad that uh things went the way that it did tonight i had an absolute blast at the ballpark and i'm looking so forward to tomorrow i'm so excited i i i wish that i was there right now um so yeah so i i I hope you guys enjoy the game tomorrow uh on tv and uh let's get this thing back to you guys let's let's hand this thing back off to you guys and let's uh let's get playoff baseball back in uh in the city of seattle let's do that tomorrow so that's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Lockdown Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidying Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, the C-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen after the game. Now make your second listen the Lockdown MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league follow the number one daily league-wide podcast locked on mlb on the odyssey app youtube and wherever you get your podcasts just like us and with that have yourself a beautiful baseball day and a beautiful baseball night and we will see you tomorrow after the game peace